Well, we're going to focus in this morning on verses 4 through 6 as we look at the idea of the good news of Jesus bringing renewal. This isn't just a, a message of forgiveness and a message of relationship, but it's actually a message that begins to address the deepest needs of the planet. And that's what kind of comes into focus in verses 4 through 6. Um, 4 through 6 is really predicated on everything that came before. That's why I read verses 1 through 6. So this good news that heals us, this good news that forgives us, this good news that sets us free, that's for the purpose of seeing the gospel go forward in the world. It's not an end in of itself just for us to be forgiven. It's not just an end in of itself for us to be healed. We're actually experiencing those things so that we can take that good news into the world. And that's what verses 4 through 6 are about this morning. And I, I love the, the certainty of these verses, right? This is, this is about what God promises to do. Isaiah 61 is about Jesus. It's about what he came into the world to do, and it is an absolute certainty. So the, the only question for us this morning is how are we going to be able to believe and trust God to do what he says in our midst and through our lives? And that's what we're going to look at this morning. So I want to give you just a, a little roadmap of where we're going this morning. We're going to look at three core convictions that we have to believe in our hearts for gospel renewal to take place in our city. So there, there's some things that we have to believe. There's some things that we have to hold on to that kind of have to become part of the DNA of who we are as a church for us to be able to see renewal go forward in the city. And that's my prayer that God would take just these feeble words. I don't have enough words to say this morning that can make this take place in our city, but I'm asking that God would use this morning to fuel real gospel movement. So we're going to look at three core convictions for gospel renewal to take place that we want to believe. And the truth that, that I have to lay out there for us this morning is we're always going to live under some story. Right, The story that we believe the most is going to be the, the story that determines the course of our lives. And my prayer is that the story of the Savior and that the story of Isaiah 61 would be the story that we fight to live in and among. So we're going to have three core convictions about gospel renewal. And then we're going to look at what gospel renewal actually looks like on the ground. What does that look like for us as individuals? What does that look for us as a, as a church body? What are some of those things that we believe that God has actually called us to as a church to see renewal go forward? So we're asking God to do all of those things. So the first core conviction that we're going to look at for gospel new, renewal to take place in our hearts is we can't outdream God. Okay, first core conviction for gospel renewal, we can't outdream God. Now, we all are created to be dreamers, right? It's part of being made in the image of God, right? I mean, you can think back to your childhood. Yeah, everybody wanted to grow up and either be a, a cowboy or a firefighter or an astronaut or a ballerina. Like there were all of these things that we wanted to be. We were always constantly in the world of imagination and pretend, 
Um, I go through this with my eight-year-old son every morning. Like we have a legitimate conversation every morning when he comes down from his room um, about joining the NBA. Now, um, this... For my son, I mean, this is a reality. This is a certainty, right? I mean, he's talking about where he's going to spend his college years. And we're talking about the legitimacy of him moving from, like, should I go pro after my sophomore year in college or should I wait till my junior year? You know, I, I like the University of Arkansas, so maybe I'll stay all the way till the end. But, I mean, this is a, this is a real, real reality to him every morning. And it's good for me to start off the day with that. Because um, he lives in the world of possibilities, right? And we all um, are created to do that. But um, over time, like our idealism, right? Um, we, we bump into the limitations that we have personally. We bump into the brokenness that exists in the world. And our, we, we begin to take on kind of an Eeyore theology. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. Like, we kind of have this naive pessimism. And somehow we can somehow begin to think sometimes that we actually care more about the problems that exist in our world than God does. Right? We think that we notice things that maybe He doesn't. Well, the good news that we're going to see in Isaiah 61... and re- really this this point flows from the whole chapter is that renewal is actually God's idea right i mean we're not coming up with something new god is the one that's providing the vision god is the one that's um giving us the fuel for our dreams like all of us have dreams all of us have things that we wish god would do in our lives we all have things that we wish god would do in our city we all have things that we wish that we could see god do where do you think those dreams come from right those are our birth in us by the spirit of god it's part of being made in the image of god so the the first thing is that gospel renewal is actually god's idea and it's god's commitment that's actually why he sent jesus into the world so so just hear this this morning whatever you want to see happen in and through your life right and i know that we can think and we can imagine a lot god's dream is bigger. God's dream and his commitment to us as a church and what he wants to do in and through us to reach this city is bigger than our collective vision together. And so what we have to fight for at the the outset is not to give in to complacency, not to give in to a form of pessimism, but actually believe that God is going to do what he says he's going to do in and through his people. So whatever your dreams for gospel renewal, God's is bigger. He gives us verses four through six to help the people of God who have experienced real devastation, that have come in contact with real brokenness in their cities to be able to come alive again to the fact that God is not finished with his people and God is not finished with his planet. That was true for the people in ancient Israel and it is true for us here this morning. So whatever we feel like we are called to as a church, God is going to meet us and he's actually the one that's at work giving us those gospel dreams. He didn't give us verses four through six about renewal to frustrate us, right? Sometimes we can think that. He didn't give us verses four through six um, to distract us. He gave us verses four through six 
to motivate us, to sustain us when things get hard. He gave us verses four through six so that we would know without a doubt that God himself is committed to us. So if I gave you all like a a magic buzzer, like that you could buzz right now, and there's one thing that you could ask God for, what would it be? One thing that you could push this button and it would instantly be different in our city. What would that be? Verses four through six are there to tell you that your desire is God's desire and God's desire is bigger than God's, than your desire and his commitment to accomplish it is measured by the commitment of giving his one and only son. So let's think about this. This isn't naive optimism. This isn't pie-in-the-sky theology. This is the inevitable fruit of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? He died to erase the effects of death and decay in this world, right? He was raised from the dead to begin to bring life. So what we're talking about is God's commitment in and through Jesus to make everything new. We, we don't think about this very often, and I think that, that our souls shrink because of it. But we are on a collision course with eternity, right? We are on a collision course when heaven is going to meet earth, where all of the sickness, all of the disease, all of the poverty of this planet is going to be swallowed up by the grace and the glory of Jesus Christ, Right? There's not going to be any more orphans. There's not going to be any more disease. There's not going to be any more poverty. Famine is going to be swallowed up by feasting. Right? This is where all of this is going. Right? Most of us are just trying to make it from day to day, from week to week. But God gives us verses 4 through 6 to give us a picture of the end because He wants us to know where all of this is headed because where we're headed helps us all along the way on the journey. So, God's commitment to us is far stronger than our commitment to Him. And what you need to understand is every time that we proclaim this message of gospel renewal in the world, that kingdom inches closer and closer. We live in a kingdom and we have a savior that's taking note of even a cold cup of water that we hand out in his name. Every time that we do anything in his name, it is a signpost and it is a picture that that kingdom has broken into this present world. And that kingdom eventually will swallow up the kingdom of this world. Right. You being here, you giving your lives for the savior is proof positive that God is committed to do this. We cannot outdream God. This is the foundation for renewal. That's why we don't start with the problems of the world. We start with the bigness of our God. Right? All right. Core conviction number two for renewal. We are all hardwired for help. Right? We are hardwired for help. And I'll show you where we get this from the text in just a moment. But it's very easy when we begin to talk about things that require mercy, um, that involve people, to begin to relegate this to a certain personality type, 
You know, maybe people with the gift of mercy uh, or people with the gift of helps. And we, we sometimes kind of think that this is just for a few people. But what Isaiah 61 actually teaches us is that we're all hardwired to help. Now, we all love like personality tests, right? We love to learn things about ourselves, like whether it's a, a Myers-Briggs, you know, like we, we like to kind of unlock the mystery of who we are or uh, some of those BuzzFeed um, you know, kind of things. Um, I took one this week. Um, which beetle are you most like? So that's always entertaining. Uh, just in case you're wondering, I was a young George Harrison. So I don't know what that means to anyone, but we love to, um, find out things about ourselves. But what we have to be careful about when we think about our personality types is to allow what we learn about ourselves to trump what God actually says about us. Right. Um, because yeah, like Myers Briggs is not in the Bible. Personality tests are not in the Bible. Those things can be helpful, but they're not determinative as we live out our calling in this present world. So we all have a role to play in gospel renewal. This is for everyone. Let's look at verse four. It says, they shall build up the ancient ruins, they shall raise up the former devastations, they shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. So who is the they in verse 4? The they are all of the people that have been healed, that have been forgiven, that have been set free by the good news of the gospel that the sovereign Lord proclaims in verse one, right? So this, this idea is this is for everyone. Everyone gets involved. Everyone gets to play, right? So we are all called to this idea of gospel renewal. But, but how do we do this? How do we actually begin to walk out the good works that God has prepared for us in advance? This is where becoming hardwired for help comes into view. We do it the same way that Jesus did. Look at verse 1. Jesus applied this to himself in Luke 4. He said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to those who are bound. So we begin to walk out gospel renewal and we are hardwired for help because we have the same spirit that Jesus did, right? So we always downplay this, but the, just think about what Ephesians 1 says, that the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is now powerfully at work in all of you. So we all, by virtue of being born again by the Spirit of God, are hardwired for help and we are hardwired for compassion. The more that we begin to walk out life by the Spirit, the more that our passions will be aligned with God's passions. The more that His goal for this planet will become our goal for our lives, right? So we have the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. This and as we walk out life in the Spirit, it begins to clarify what things are important, what things get our time, 
what things get our energy, what things get our passion. It begins to clarify who we are actually called to reach. The good news is there's no such thing as a spiritless Christian. So as a collectively, as a church, we can use the words of Isaiah 61 verse 1 to say, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news. He's anointed me to proclaim liberty to the captive. That's the truth of verse 4. We are hardwired for help, but not only by virtue of the fact that we have the spirit of God, but also look, there is an identity change. Look at verse 6. This is for all the people of God. But you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. Now, what happens is God takes the broken things and he makes them beautiful. He makes those that are wayward and those that wander. And he gives them a new identity and a new task, and a new function, and he speaks truth over his people, he says, you will be called priests of the Lord. So that, is, that doesn't mean that you have to wear a collar, but it does mean that everywhere that you go, you represent God, right? That's what priests do. They mediate between God and people. They, they represent God, but they also represent people. So every person in this room You're called by the gospel to be a priest, to be a minister of Yahweh everywhere that you go, right? So that means that we go around as the priests of the Lord and we have this message. It's a message that we don't ever want to take for granted. It's not a message that we want to push to the circumference or to the background. We have this message of good news. We have this message of grace. We have this message of forgiveness. And that is our call and that is our commission. <laughs> right? We, we do not fulfill our functions as priests if we don't represent God accurately by proclaiming his grace to the world. So that's what we want to do want to be priests, but we also, priests also represent the presence of God to people. So everywhere that you set your foot into brokenness, you represent the healing and the comforting presence of God. Whether someone actually places their faith in Jesus Christ or not, like you represent not only his message, but you also represent his presence. Richard Loveless in his book, Spiritual Dynamics, says this. He says, true spirituality is not superhuman religiosity. It is simply true humanity released from its bondage to sin and renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So part of being created in God's image is made to connect with other people, right? It's actually a mark of brokenness that we can isolate and insulate ourselves from other people. But the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon us and it begins to renew us and it begins to open up our eyes to see things from God's perspective. That's why he sends the good news of the gospel. And and as he does that, it sets us free to actually be ministers of him. All right, core conviction number three. We must think beyond our lives and our own our, our own lives and our lifetimes renewal in and of itself is a, a long-term process.
proposition. Look at verse 4 with me. It says, They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastation of many generations. So, I'm a guy that loves revival. I love to think about what God can do in a moment, and he can, and he does act that way. But some of the things that we're going to be talking about this morning are things that are long-standing issues. They're, they're things that take a long-term approach. It's the, the devastation that exists of many generations. Now, as the people of God made their way back into their homeland after they had been exiled into Babylon. Um, You can read about this in Ezra and Nehemiah. I mean, the world that they entered in was tragically broken. I mean, the, the, the walls of the city of Jerusalem were torn down. After they were freed by Cyrus, actually, Nehemiah had a vision from God. He had a plan from God. The Spirit was with Nehemiah. And in 52 days, the exiles actually rebuilt the the walls around Jerusalem. And that actually was a, a huge testimony to the world that God was actually with them in this gospel renewal that was taking place in the land of Israel. But in that same time frame, the, the temple, which represented the presence of God sat empty for a long time. And in the book of Haggai, it it talks about that um, God said, like, you people are so busy building your own houses that you've left mine empty, right? And so that kind of tells us a, a little bit about the obstacles that really come into view as we look at gospel renewal. The, the greatest obstacles to gospel renewal are not out there in the world. They're actually in our own hearts. You know what I'm saying? We have to actually think outside of our own lives. It's most natural for me to build my own kingdom instead of God's kingdom. Right? And when I do that, I shrink the size of his kingdom down to my own life. And, and the result is my joy shrinks. My, my joy in him shrinks and also um, just my outlook on life shrinks. So what God wants us to be able to do is look beyond our own lives. The greatest obstacles to gospel renewal actually exist in our own hearts. It's our own fears. It's our own insecurities. It's our own comforts. It's those things that wage war. Now, we're never going to f- completely and finally be rid of those things. But, but to, to be able to see the gospel go forward, we have to actively wage war on that. We have to agree that we all face these common temptations to kind of shrink God's kingdom down to the size of our own lives. And as a people, let's fight together to see his kingdom go forward. So, the truth is, and we say this all the time, we are deeply loved by God. We are loved personally and passionately by God. But we're not the point of the story, right? We, we receive this love so that we can give this love away. So we have to think outside of our own lives, but we also have to think beyond our own lifetimes. Sometimes the things that need to be built 
can't be built in a day. Sometimes the most beautiful pictures of, a, of the gospel take a lifetime to construct. And I am from a, a generation that loves to start things, right? I'm in the startup generation, the entrepreneurial generation, right? And, and we, we love to start things, but we don't always look at the end and where all of this is going. And so as a church, I just want us to be conscious of the end game, where all of this is headed. Are we giving our time and our energy to the things that matter in light of eternity, right? I mean, there, are, there is some low-hanging fruit that exists, and we want to see as many people come to know Jesus. But there are some things that are, exist in our city that actually need renewal that um, they... They're going to take a long time for us to be able to accomplish. And just because they're hard and they're not easy doesn't mean that they're not worth doing. And so we want to take a long-term approach to renewal. And that's why we're committed here to always be looking to the next generation, right? That's why we hired Aaron, because we want to see... I'm passionate about seeing God's work in this generation, and I will give my life to it. But my greater prayer for us as a church is that there will be work done in and through our lives that lasts beyond our own lifetime, right? That like the minute, I mean, my greatest fear is that the minute that that something happens, that the rest, everything just crumbles as we move out of the picture. So we want to be able to ask God to help us to, to do things and lay foundations for the next generation that they can kind of go over and go further and go faster for the glory of God. That's what we're doing. That's why we're purposely investing in the next generation because we want to see God do this. And, and I just had this thought, and um, I'm confident now that I'm not going to get to renewal, so we're going to have two weeks on this um, I'm going to close with this. Um, Every ministry that you respect, every act that you've seen done in Christ's name, it began somewhere, right? There was a first prayer that was prayed. There was a first dollar that was given. There were the first tears that were shed over the needs of the world. And, and, and I just have this sense that, that that's where we are as a church, right? I mean, we're in the, in the gospel dream phase right now. We're, we're wanting God to give us clear direction and discernment. And I've had conversations even this week where God is bringing things together. But I want to invite us to actually give some time and prayer to, to what gospel renewal might look like in and through our gospel communities. I want us to spend some time in Isaiah 61. I, I pray that this is not the only time that we're looking at Isaiah 61, that we see what God wants to do. And just that idea that every ministry begins somewhere, it begins with a prayer, it begins with a gift. And as I've been looking out at Jerusalem, not Jerusalem, <laughs> that's not where we are. Um, it's kind of like Jerusalem, right? No, Jonesboro, two J's. As I, as I really thought about this passage this week, I mean, my, my thought is, why not here? Why not now? Why not us? Would God be pleased to give us the fruit 
of the sufferings of Jesus Christ on our behalf to see that begin to transform real brokenness in our city, right? I mean, we got to live out this life anyway. Why not see God do something amazing? It begins with us, though, taking seriously the words that God speaks about what he wants to do, right? He, he didn't speak these words just so that we could be a holy huddle. He wants us to be encouraged. He wants us to be built up. But he wants us to be built up so that we can be sent out, right? So it's, it, it's, it's a both and. So would you join me in just praying that prayer? Why not here? Why not now? Why not us? Not because we're faithful, not because our character, but because of the character of God himself. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that this is your idea. Thank you that this is your commitment to us. That's why you sent Jesus. I thank you that your dreams are far bigger than my dreams. I thank you that you have actually given us the spirit to bring us to this place where we want to see you work in and through our lives. I pray that you give us dreams that are outside of our small lives and our small kingdom (laughs) that last beyond our lifetime, that you would begin to address real brokenness in and through this church. So we collectively, as your people, we say, Father, please Why not here? If you can do that in ancient Jerusalem, why can't you do it in Jonesboro right now? Why could you do it through us? Father, we we qualify. We are needy. We are broken. We've failed you more times than we've succeeded. But you show your glory through cracked clay pots. So I pray that you would just help us to believe that you could use even us to see this message go forward in our city. And we just pray that you would do it now. Not for some future day, but that you would begin just with the conversations that we have this afternoon and the conversations that we have this week to begin to see every square inch of Jonesboro that you purchased with your own blood come to bear fruit for the grace of Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.